Welcome to our guest open mic spot. This week we're bringing you part two of the Hope Over Fear online debate with Peter A. Bell and Dave Thompson on the subject of list parties. If you missed part one and you'd like to catch up, you can get it on demand on our podcast or YouTube channels. Okay. Now, we're going to be um, taking questions. We've had a few people sending in some pretty interesting questions. So first one is actually on the subject of the 2016 election. And I'll put it first. Uh, I'll just read it out first and then, you know, you can put your hand up if you want to, to answer it. OK, um, basically, this is from someone called Paul Donaldson. And the question is, the 2016 results show that the SNP would have needed nearly 37,000 extra votes, which is an increase of nearly 15%, to have won a list seat in Glasgow, and over 40,000 extra votes, a 14% increase, to have won a list seat in Mid-Scotland and Fife. AFI could have won a list seat in either region with a vote share of around 6%, given that the SNP vote increase needed would have come from unionist parties, but the AFI vote share could come from the yes voters, moving the votes from the SNP to the AFI on the list. But could the panellists tell us which they think would be more realistic to achieve and why? So, hands up, who wants to answer that question? I'll take the first hand. Well, I'm happy to answer it because Peter obviously is frightened to answer it because the statistics are absolutely sound and it's what I said earlier and it proves the point I made. The mathematics are absolutely bang on here. What we have to do is ensure that we get this message out there to folk uh, around Scotland so that they can see how they can really, really help Scotland their children and grandchildren into a great future. Uh, and if Peter wants to dispute these figures, he's welcome to answer now. I actually had my hand up before you. Uh, and, oh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to address any question. Uh, Dave's the one who's been dodging the questions here today. Uh, I listened to the question. And I thought, it's all if this and if that and what if, and if we put these figures into a certain order, then we can get this to come out at the other end. Politics is more than arithmetic. You can organise the figures uh, whatever way you like, but what I, and the figures can be totally accurate. This is my point. The arithmetic in JERS is all totally spot on. Nobody can fault the arithmetic. It's the conclusions that are taken out of it. If you're saying that the figures don't lie, then Jers has Scotland down as a bas an economic basket case, and we'll just have to accept that. No, the, the, the figures do not tell the whole story. Politics is more than arithmetic. Okay, thank you. So we'll move on to the next question now, which is from SciTV uh, Tam. Hi, Tam. If splitting your vote didn't work in 2016, what makes you think it will work in 2021? Peter? Well, I, I, I don't think it will work. And uh, the, um, yeah, I hear all sorts of stuff from, uh, uh, from these guys. Uh, they say that they're, uh, they're not splitting the vote. 
We're not splitting the vote. Well, of course you are. You know, if you're taking votes from the SNP, oh, but we're not taking votes from the SNP. Well, who are you taking them from then? You know, uh, I, I, they just seem to uh, make stuff up as they go along. There's more than one way of splitting the vote. And one of the concerns uh, that I've all had all along with this is that uh, you can never guarantee in, in political campaigning and uh, election campaigns in particular, uh, where you know, you're campaigning on a wide, wide range of issues, uh, you can never guarantee that the message that you, the electorate here, the message the voters here, is the message that you're putting out. And the more complex the message that you're putting out, like all those figures that we heard uh, just a moment ago, how many voters do you think would sit still and listen to that? None. Uh, the, the, they're going to hear, my, my concern is that voters are actually going to hear it's okay not to vote for the SNP. My concern is that this campaign supposedly isolated to the regional vote which is saying you really shouldn't vote for the SNP. And my concern is that it's going to spill over under the constituency vote and act as a spoiler. It's, uh, it's a danger. How much of a danger it is, I've no idea. But uh, supposing even it's only a, a very, very tiny risk, that risk has to be weighed against the gain. And there is no gain. Because this supermajority does not give us any benefit. And when I say us, I mean Scotland's cause, the cause of restoring Scotland's independence. The supermajority does not give us any benefit in that. So there's nothing to gain, absolutely nothing to gain, but we have all these small risks. Like there's this risk of the... Uh, the electorate receiving mixed messages or wrong messages. Yeah, the, the um, nothing's without risk, Peter, but I wouldn't agree with your analysis of the risk there. The, this, the statistics, the figures, the maths are actually very simple. And this, these, these are the figures I think people will understand. The SNP got 953,000 votes in the regional list in 2016 and got four seats. Labour and the Tories got 960,000 votes on the regional list in 2016 and got 45 seats, 11 times more. That's pretty simple maths. You can change that if you're one of those 953,000 people who voted for the SNP. If you vote for AFI with our umbrella parties below us, then you can actually take many of these seats. If one out of eight of you vote for AFI, we get eight MSPs into the Scottish Parliament and we push out eight unionists. And the second point that you made in answering the questionnaire, that we're not splitting any vote. We're uniting the votes of the parties. That's what we're trying to do. And we haven't succeeded yet, but we, we shall. But you know what else we're going to be doing? We're going to be campaigning to push up the turnout. We want, and we've already challenged the SNP and the Greens and others to put independence at the heart of next year's election. And it looks like that's where they're going. And if you go back to 2017, when many 
yes voters did not go out to vote for the SNP because the SNP did not put independence at the heart of their campaign that year. These people will come out and vote next year if they know that it is a crucial independence election and that by voting for the SNP in the constituencies, and we'll be campaigning hard for that, and voting for AFI and the other parties that join us in the lists, that they can get their independence. These folk will come out, and they won't just come out to vote in the list, they'll come out to vote in the constituencies, because when they're in the booth, they'll exercise both their votes. So by increasing the turnout, we will increase the number of seats the SNP get, so they will benefit massively. And on the list, we will benefit, and the unionists will lose by that. That is all pretty simple and pretty straightforward. That's the message that we are putting out, and it's resonating with people already. And once we really get going on the campaign, we are going to start to see the support for our concept uh, rapidly rise. Thanks very much. Thanks both of you for your answers to that question. We've now got another question, uh, which is from um, Billy Holland. And the question is, in 2026, five years, yeah, 2026, we have we, we, five years too, too long to wait for independence with the inter, Internal Market Bill enacted. Sorry, basically, is 2026. 26 too long to wait for independence because of the internal market uh, bill being enacted by yeah, the well uh not just for the because of the internal market bill but uh, it's too long to wait anyway and the, the uh, uh one of my concerns about this uh, distraction of uh, uh playing silly games with uh with the list vote <laughs> uh, is uh, the the uh, uh, we're not focused on uh, on what's actually going on here. The, uh, the British nationalist one nation product is already underway. It's already rolling. Uh, it's well underway. Uh, and uh, the Scottish government, uh, and I admit, that's an SNP government, you know, uh, and they've done absolutely nothing to address it in that six years. And uh, uh, I... I will have things, I have had things to say about that. However, we've got an election looming and 2026 is uh, too, definitely too late. Uh, we have to regard, uh, even if it isn't actually, we have to treat uh, the 2021 Holyrood election as if it's our last chance. As if it's our last chance. We have to behave as if it's our last chance. That's why we have to be asking ourselves, uh, you know, not uh, what the arithmetic says and uh, how you can fiddle it to do this and that. What we should be asking ourselves is what outcome best serves the cause of restoring Scotland's independence? If you're asking any other question, then uh, you, you're, you've lost your way somewhere. That is the one question that you should be asking. And what serves uh, uh, Scotland's cause, best of all, is uh, an SNP majority with a huge mandate. A huge mandate, like over 50% of the, uh, the vote on both polls. This thing about wasted votes and your votes don't count, 
that is you know that is uh, that is anti-democratic saying that that is undermining democracy to say say stuff like that uh, those votes count because i just want uh, uh, days forever asking us to imagine this wonderful outcome uh, he's, sell, he's selling this wonderful outcome without selling the process of how we get there. Uh, so I'll ask you to uh, imagine how excellent it would be. Uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the uh, uh, Manifesto for Independence, but it basically involves uh, getting short of the Section 30 process altogether and uh, creating our own democratic process within our own parliament. Now, Suppose you had, uh, uh, suppose the SNP were to commit to that manifesto for independence before the referendum, and they got the majority that is predicted for them in the constituency vote, and they maybe got a couple of uh, list seats, but more importantly, they got over fifty percent of the vote on both seats. There you have a party committed to take specific action action that Dave couldn't even describe his party taking. You've got a party actually in government committed to take action and with an unchallengeable mandate for it. No votes siphoned off elsewhere for this or that purpose. All those votes given not to the SNP, to the Scottish government, because it's the Scottish government that will act on our behalf. I'll answer that then because it's interesting that Peter uses phrases like silly games and fiddling the system and all this kind of stuff. He doesn't have any real arguments against what we're saying, you see. And that's well, you haven't why, been listening, that's then. why he has to resort to things like that. That the only objection that he has and others do is for fiddling the system. I'd already said we want to make next year's election the independence election. I don't disagree with what he's just said. Uh, we will be debating that at our conference. We'll be debating the route map to independence. And let's see, you know, I don't know what we'll decide, our members will decide on this, but let's say we got our supermajority of MSPs, um, maybe 90 out of 129, and we got over 50% of the vote. Would, would that be a mandate for independence itself? Never mind a referendum. But we could maybe offer to confirm it later on. The, that's the sort of question that we need to be addressing and we need to be thinking about moving forward to for next year's election, turning the election itself, uh, depending on circumstances and so on, into the de facto decision-making vote on Scotland's independence. Because I worry, just like Peter does, uh, that if we don't do it next year, we will not get another chance. If Dave hasn't heard my arguments, uh, then it's because he's not listening. Uh, and there are a lot more than just silly games. I don't, I don't know how else to... Uh, uh, to uh, describe what's going on here uh, with uh, moving uh, on the list vote. I've got quite a lot. We've got a great big stream of questions that have come in and I would really like to try and get through them. Sorry, but, um, and also just to keep, keep your answers a wee bit concise, but this one is particularly, the next question is, no, it's for both of you. So I think, no, maybe just for Dave actually. So I'll go for Dave first. It's a question from James Scott and he's asking, if you vote SNP 1 and Alliance 2, who is the first on the Alliance list to get the seat? 
Right, okay. Um, well, that will be on the ballot paper. Our candidates will be listed, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and so on, just like uh, all the other parties on the regional lists. Um, the candidates will be chosen by the uh, umbrella parties that come on board. We'll negotiate with them for a certain number of winnable places across Scotland, a few places that are winnable. And the remainder, which will be the majority of seats, will actually be chosen by our members. So if you take the Highlands and Islands, um, our members in the Highlands and Islands will choose who is number one, number two, number three, and so on, unless one of those places has already been allocated to one of the smaller parties in negotiations. So we'll negotiate first and allocate places to the smaller parties that come on board, uh, and then our members will fill all the other uh, spaces, and that will be on the ballot paper, on all our campaigning leaflets, so people will be really clear just who they are voting for when they vote for AFI. But we are hoping for a truly rainbow alliance, if I can put it like that, with a wide variety of candidates who people might even know, uh, who will take views into Holyrood on a whole range of issues. Because you see, the only thing we ask our candidates and our umbrella parties to do is support independence. And if they support independence, on every other matter, they can follow their own party policies, they can follow their own consciences. So just imagine a, a parliament full of Margot MacDonalds. When Margot left the SNP, she stood in Lothian as an independent, she backed independence, but she had her own mind and her own uh, policy proposals and a whole range of other things. That's what we are envisaging. That's what we are looking for in AFI after next year's Scottish election. Thanks very much. Um, that's, uh, that's, I think that's answered the question really well. The next question that's come in is for actually specifically for Peter, and it says it's from Hugh Kerr. And the, the question is, Peter, isn't a supermajority the only thing that convinces the Tories to accept the need to have a second referendum? Um, no. Uh, nothing convinces. If, uh, if it means that uh, uh, the Tories in London, the, uh, the British government in London, uh, nothing convinces them of uh, the, the need to have a, a, another referendum other than uh, being absolutely persuaded that they can sabotage that referendum. Uh, they, uh, uh, the only thing that's worse than uh, Boris Johnson uh, to another uh, to a section 30 order is him saying yes because he's only going to say yes if he knows that he can uh, scupper the whole thing at some point later on and if you actually think about it there are uh, myriad ways that he can do that it's uh, very simple for him uh, to do that especially after the Scottish government has accepted the authority that the section 30 order gives him as the Gold standard. It's the British state's gold standard. No, the uh, it won't. You won't convince the Tories uh, the, uh, to accept the uh, uh, need for a second referendum. And the uh, the Tories uh, uh, know damn fine that so, uh, they know as well as I do uh, that uh, a supermajority uh, is uh, useless. It doesn't mean 
any more than a simple majority, they're not going to be impressed. It sounds very impressive, you know, when you're standing on back on the back of the snake oil wagon, uh, with uh, giving your spiel. It sounds very impressive, super majority. But when you're actually thinking about it, you know, it's the, it's the tawdry, it's the tawdry bubbles, it's the shiny things uh, that politicians used to dazzle, dazzle voters with. It's not the Tories that we, we have to convince anyway. Uh, stop thinking about having to convince the Tories. We've got to have that referendum whether the Tories like it or not. If I need any snake oil, Peter, I'll know who to come to. That's for sure. Boris Johnson has a super majority on a super minority of the vote. 42% of the vote, <clears throat> an 80-seat majority. It's accepted, you know. Westminster is not Holyrood. Holyrood is not Westminster. They're different. They're different parliaments. They're different electoral systems. You can talk over me as much as you like. It doesn't change the well, system. I think it's important to point out the facts here. And the fact is that there is no sensible way to make comparisons uh, between Boris Johnson's uh, uh, supermajority in Westminster and your mythical supermajority in Holyrood. Well, They're totally is. different things. Can I answer? We, yeah, there is um, validity in comparing them because they're both legal systems and there are many other systems all over the world. And if you use the legal system, that is what counts. And it's the number of seats normally that matter. So if you use a system like the first past the post system in the UK elections, and if you use the hybrid system of first past the post plus the Dehaun aspects of AMS, as long as you do it lawfully and legally, it is valid. And anyone who argues that it isn't valid is doing the Tories' work for them. Well, I didn't argue that it wasn't valid. I just argued that it's useless. It serves no purpose. Right, another question's come in. We've actually got quite a big stack of them. I'm going to have to rattle through them now because we're getting uh, close to the end and uh, I'd really rather answer as many as we can. This is a question that came in from Millie Jameson. And the question is, do you think people will be confused who to vote for with all these smaller parties coming up? So I'll start that with uh, you, Dave. You might want to respond. Well, I'm very hopeful that the smaller parties that already exist will come under our umbrella. And there won't be a whole lot of small parties on the regional list. There will be AFI and in our campaigns with the smaller parties who will all be campaigning uh, for AFI if they come under our umbrella. The public will only need to know that there's one set of smaller parties to vote for and not four or five or six. Thank you. Peter, do you want to come in on that? I want something a wee bit stronger than, than Dave's hope. Okay, well, do you want to, so we'll get you a, a different question. Uh, there's loads here. So, um, okay, here's, a, here's, a, here's one. It's, um, is there any, this is from Hashbury Stumble. Is there any, any polling evidence that the fringe parties have sufficient support to take seats on the list? So, do you want to take <coughs> that? I haven't heard of any. 
I, uh, one of the concerns that I've seen expressed by uh, cephologists, and I stress I am not a cephologist. Uh, I do political anal- analysis. I do, don't do uh, polling analysis, but I know people who do. Uh, and uh, one of the concerns uh, has been uh, that the um, the, uh, the collection of uh, list parties uh, uh, take enough, a, a big enough, I'm trying to put this as simply as possible, I'm probably oversimplifying, but we're in a hurry. Uh, if the, if the, the list parties, however many there are of them, uh, if they take a, a, a big enough percentage of the, uh, of the vote, uh, the list vote, to uh, cost either the SNP and or the Greens seats, but not enough to take seats themselves. That is probably the biggest risk uh, to the pro-independence majority. There's no threat to the pro-independence majority from the, from the unionist parties, not as polling stands at the moment. Uh, but that is the only thing that I have seen identified as a, a, as a serious risk to the uh, pro-independence uh, majority. And it's a totally unnecessary risk. It's, uh, like I've said uh, repeatedly, it serves no purpose. So even if it's a small risk, why take it? You know? Well, it, it is a, there is a very small risk that if we just don't get off the ground at all and we don't get any more of the other parties joining us and we languish about 2%, along with the others who don't join us, yeah, we're not going to manage to do anything. But you don't start off a venture on the basis that you're going to fail. You start off a venture, and that's what we're in. We're looking to Scotland's future and and the hope and the promise of actually succeeding. And if you look at the prize here, nothing in life is worth doing. Um, If it's worth doing, then there's always a risk involved. You don't get anything in life without some risk. It's a tiny risk. All we need to do is convince people who already believe in Scottish independence, they're already nationalists in the sense they want independence for Scotland, they already vote SNP and with their second regional list vote. We just have to convince a fraction of them to vote for AFI and our united parties under our umbrella, and we reap massive gains. 12%, one person in eight, who currently votes SNP, we get eight seats, one in four, a quarter of the folk that vote SNP in the regional. How many times are we going to go through this? And the reason I'm repeating it, Peter, is because it's a simple message, it's not complicated, and it is factual. And that yeah, but this isn't a party political broadcast. Well, I am a politician promoting office, so I suppose, in a sense, it's a broadcast. Yeah, so, well, I enjoyed the little homilies uh, and uh, all this thing about uh, uh, there's always risks and if a thing's worth doing, it's worth trying and all the rest of it. Lovely little homilies. Uh, but... Uh, uh, what I, I never got an answer to the question that I asked right at the beginning. At what point do you say this is not working? Do you propose and going right down to the wire 
uh, of the, uh, the 2021 election saying, if only we can get unity, if we can get unity, listen to this arithmetic that I've got here. I've been practicing it for once, months. I want another chance to use it before the vote. If we can get, at what point are you going to say, right, we haven't got that unity? You can't possibly get, keep going right to the election saying, we are, if we, we are, get it. We are going to succeed. Uh, <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, Another politician's non answer. <laughs> why would I get involved with this if I thought it was going to fail? And you know, Peter, uh, you, 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 you've made many, many negative comments about what we're trying to do. I don't, think an any, I don't think I've heard any positive comments from you as to how not we an answer. Still not an answer. Okay, I think we will move on to the very, I'm afraid this is going to be the last question tonight. There's been actually quite a few on the list that I haven't had a chance to read out. So <coughs> apologies to anybody who has, a, has um, set in questions, but I'm, I'm trying to get through as many as we can. It's such a a hot topic. There's there's a lot of debate about it. So anyway, the last question tonight would be from is from Samuel Cook, and it says Peter. But obviously, you know, Peter, you can get the start of the question, and then Dave, if you want to come in to respond, that would be fine. But the question is, Peter, you say this that, that the Scottish Parliament voting system is proportional. <coughs> However, what's proportional about hundreds of votes being lost due to constituency gains? We in Scotland don't truly get what we vote for on this current system. Can you explain how we can how how we how this will change with SNP one and SNP two, as as in the status quo? So uh, it's not me that says the uh, the uh, Scottish voting system is proportional. It's people like the Professor John Curtis. Uh, I, I don't carry figures around in my head uh, like Dave does, but but it's easy enough to find. Uh, the the, uh, the Scottish voting system actually provides a, uh, for a proportional parliament. The parliament is proportional. Representation in the parliament uh, is proportional to votes cast, or it is close to proportional. It's not exactly proportional. No proportional system is. Uh, so this uh, uh, hundreds of votes aren't lost. They are used as part of this system. It's called the additional member system. Uh, uh, one of the stock uh, one of the stock uh, accusations from uh, the, uh, the the list vote uh, people is. Uh, as soon as you did, uh, express any doubts about what they're flogging, you, uh, they say, oh, you just don't understand the voting system. But trust me, I understand the voting system. I understand it perfectly well. I've listened to John Curtis's explanations of it often enough over the years. I understand it perfectly well. Uh, but it's obvious that some people are being confused about it, and they're being confused by the likes of Dave Thompson uh, uh, describing the list as a standalone first-past-the-post election. Otherwise, how does anybody come to this conclusion that hundreds of those votes are being lost? They're not being lost. They're, they're part of the system. You've got to take the two votes together. They work together as a system. You can't take one and just think of it in isolation. They work together as a system. The, system the list is provides the additional member. The system is there 
to elect our parliament. And part of the reason it was set up the way it was was to stop the SNP ever getting a majority. Uh, now, I think it's rather sweet irony that we are able to use it to get our independence. And if you look back over the 20 years of the history of the parliament, you'll find that there are many small parties that just stand on the list. I haven't heard anybody in the past accusing these parties of gaming the system because they didn't stand in the constituency as well as the list. They stood in the list because they knew that to get 6% of the vote in a region would get them an MSP. And that has happened for small parties in the past. And I didn't hear any objections to that from anybody. Therefore, why there are so many people now getting very worked up about what we are proposing to do for the benefit of Scotland, it's beyond me. Because I'll tell you if you like. The system that we have, we are applying it legally. We're convincing folk that already believe in independence to use their vote in a different way, more wisely, to increase the number of MSPs. You said, you said you can't understand why people are making a fuss about it this time. I'll explain it to you. It's because this election's different. You admitted that yourself right at the start. This election is different. This election is special. It's not like previous elections. This election is specially important. And that's why we shouldn't have any uh, distractions from our main purpose. That is why people are asking so many questions about uh, well, all these games. And you never heard me use the expression gaming the system tonight. You're the only one who's used that expression. Well, you, so you don't use push that one on to me. Fiddle is, is a pretty similar word to gaming, uh, Peter, I would have to say. The thing is, we have this system and we have to use it to best advantage for Scotland. Okay, thanks very much for the response to that question. And uh, obviously that, I'm afraid to say, was our last question tonight. But so basically all that we want to be able to finish for night, we need to ask both of you well, to, to do a little summing up of you know, about what, what you think is the last kind of message to go out, so go out to the people who are watching tonight. So I'll start with you, Peter, for that. Uh, it, it's quite simple. People should vote uh, as they see fit, but they should ask serious questions of the people who are uh, <coughs> asking for their vote. They should really interrogate them. They should scrutinise them. And if you've noticed one thing tonight, Take this away. Notice this. Notice how Dave avoided answering questions. Now, when a politician is evading questions, you, you've got reason to be concerned. I am more concerned now than I was before. And please, Dave, would you like to sum up? Yes, certainly. I'll be much more positive than Peter, and I'm certainly not evasive. Uh, the Election next year, as Peter himself said, is the most important election in our lifetimes. And he says that's a reason for not getting so many indie MSPs in the parliament. Well, I just don't understand his logic. I think because it is such an important election, we must turn it in in the public's mind absolutely clearly in all our party manifestos that it is the independence election. 
that this is the election. If you vote SNP, if you vote AFI, you are voting for independence for Scotland. And that should be in the manifestos so that no Tory, Labour or Liberal Unionist can tell us that we didn't actually vote for independence. And all the parties must sign up for that. This is the most important election in our lives. It's got to be the India election. We've got to win our independence next year because if we don't, we probably won't get another chance. Well, that was great. Well, thanks very much to both of you for your contribution tonight. I think it was a really interesting debate. I think there's still a heck of a lot more to discuss on this subject, I would think, just from the number of questions we've, we've had coming in. But um, but it's been really, really interesting. And I'm certainly, I've certainly learned a lot tonight. I've been kind of seen as the offside rule for, foot, you know, the football offside rule, trying to work out what's the best way to go here. Uh, I think I understand it a little bit better than I understand the offside rule tonight. So thanks very much. I really appreciate it. But also just like to say thank you to everybody who contributed questions tonight and um, I'm sorry again that we didn't manage to get to read them all out and also to um, the team behind the scenes at Independence Live thanks so much for uh, organising this and putting it on and also to the team at um, Hope Over Fear who have put this on so um, it just remains to say basically uh, one of the biggest messages that I would like to see just personally from me tonight is that in order for any of this to happen at all we need to make sure that you are, we're all registered to vote. There's been, you know, everybody's getting less letters through. Just get on and check that you're actually registered to vote. Because my dream would be to see an unprecedented amount of people actually voting in this election. I think that would be a most wonderful message to give because I think there has been, to be fair, a bit of a sort of a, a kind of lackadaisical attitude to some of the Scottish Parliament elections. And um, particularly, I think we mentioned earlier on the last one, I would like to see the numbers, absolutely humongous numbers going out to vote because that in itself would show that we are not, we're not a country that's prepared to lose our Scottish Parliament to any EU withdrawal bill and we're not prepared to be put through um, you know, any more of the insults that's been thrown at us and potentially if it's an independence, whether it's whatever, whatever decision you make, I don't think that I'm in any position. I would never tell someone how they should vote. But if you were thinking of voting for independence, it, party whether it's one and two or one plus one um, then that's going to show if enough people do that that's going to be some message to send and I think that's really what we need to be doing as well getting to tell our friends and family to make sure you actually vote make sure these messages are really strong to get out there and and put this forward but um but basically what I've really enjoyed tonight and thanks very much guys once again really good good to hear all your opinions and until next time, if it may well be another time, we may well be discussing this again. Thanks very much. So, uh, Thanks very much, Gwen. I hope it was okay. <laughs> Thank you, Gwen. Thank you. Thanks, guys. In the light of rain.